The 2021 Acura TLX is the top-selling luxury sedan in St. Louis, and St. Louis Acura has an unbeatable selection. The TLX has the highest safety rating, and right now you can get $2,500 in loyalty conquest offers with 0% financing for up to 36 months. We offer free pickup and delivery, and we'll also buy your used vehicle, even if you don't buy from us. St. Louis Acura, committed to becoming better than ever for you. Hello, everybody. I'm Bob Ramsey, voice of the Billikens, and this is Two Man Game, and my partner is Matt Rocchio. Matt, we've been talking about talking hoops for a long, long time, and now the opportunity is here on the eve of the college basketball season. Rock, how you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How you doing tonight? Well, uh, again, we're, we're ready to start college basketball, and it feels like it's almost been two seasons um, that that – We've re- that I've really been up close and personal with college basketball. And um, it, it does seem like yesterday and then sometimes a long time ago when postseason got canceled while we, while we the Billikens, were, had our morning practice in Brooklyn uh, across the street from the hotel. And uh, it ended postseason. And it was that week, you remember, that in the NBA, now, I know other people pay attention to other things, but my cue that COVID was real was that first week of March, like two days mm-hmm. before, it broke out in the NBA. And we are going to talk a lot about the NBA as this show goes on and the season goes on, but the NBA kind of triggered it. The dominoes fell, postseason was done, and then last year, we didn't travel we weren't courtside, and I literally, and then more figuratively, felt removed as if the season didn't even exist. I didn't get to talk to any of the players, or the, I mean, on the phone and and uh, through Zooms and things to players and coaches shows, but it's just not the same. So for all those things, and because it's the start of the season, I'm fired up. Yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the damper came in a little bit when it comes to the slew season, but basketball's back, you know, it, it, especially in this region. I think the funny thing about starting a basketball podcast is there's going to be those people, especially when you mentioned we're going to talk about the NBA, who are going to immediately want to just, you know, down it because that's how it is. But, I mean, I, I think it, what hit me was, I think it was two years ago, the Post-Dispatch did this incredible expose, not expose, but research piece talking about the history of high school basketball and the reaction they got for the rankings of all time St. Louis basketball players. I had never seen a piece outside of the Cardinals get that kind of reaction locally, you know, just people commenting and getting in discussions on Twitter about it. And that was when it hit me that the, basketball fandom in this city especially when you talk about high school and in st louis university it is absolutely rabid and so to get a chance to finally talk about it a big thank you to mike claiborne and claves online obviously for giving us his chance and a big thank you to our sponsors as well it's going to be a lot of fun uh, i'm really excited obviously to talk st louis u to talk mba and uh especially every once in a while to get some guests on to talk about the high school scene you know you know you're a good friend obviously of earl austin you, you know a staple in the st louis media community and getting him on to talk a little st louis high school sports and the guys coming up i mean we're going to talk a lot about yuri collins tonight but there's one of these episodes where we're going to talk about his little brother who's absolutely already 
turning heads and lighting yeah. things up. At St. Mary's, that's exactly right. So Amen. we'll always defer to Earl when it when it comes to basketball, and um, and and uh, we uh, we'll be able to strong arm him onto the show at some point, uh, without question. The um, yeah, and and as you get ready for this season and know that, um, and when you talk about the core basketball fan in this region, it, it's really interesting, and I, I think sometimes the basketball fan doesn't really get the credit. Oh, it's a baseball town. Well, yeah, it is. There's no doubt about it. I, I'm I'm as hardcore baseball as it gets. But when you talk about what club ball has been doing for the last 35 years um, and continues to do, and maybe at its greatest height, perhaps right now, there was a big peak in the 90s with Jahidi White and Chris Carrawell mm-hmm. and Kelly, you know, all the guys that, that came through in the nineties. Um, but it might be, it might really be at a peak right now, turning out division one and high division one and ultimately NBA talent this past decade. And this, this pipeline feels like it's continuing to grow. So while I, I do really believe that there is a large segment of St. Louis fandom, that's kind of a pro sports mm-hmm. town first the hardcore basketball fans know their stuff. They really do. And it starts with the grassroots at basketball. It goes to the colleges, St. Louis U, Mizzou, the Illini, who, and I know we'll talk about the Illini a lot as this oh, season yeah. goes on with such high expectations in the Big Ten. Free coffee. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. And um, and then when you and, – and then on into the NBA, and, you know, I was – only sort of kiddingly talking about if Jordan Goodwin gets to the league this year, <laughs> I'll be in with both feet. But with Tatum and Beal and others, um, there's the connection in the NBA. And for anybody who doubts the interest in the NBA in this town, just go look at the research. Look at the NBA NBA playoff television ratings in St. Louis. That's all mm-hmm. you need to know. Go look it up, and you'll see – that it, it is true that the NBA uh, is alive, at least in the hearts of basketball fans in the St. Louis area. Also, if the Wizards are winning, we have Earl on, just try to get him to stop, not mention that the fact that the Wizards are winning with his cousin coaching that team. That's um, right. So we are going to talk, we are going to talk plenty of NBA, but with SLU opening up their season tomorrow night, tonight is going to be a lot of SLU talk, obviously. Their game's opening up, the season's opening up. Three games and four nights, we're going to talk about two of them and really just how we see the season playing out tonight. That's going to be the big thing today with uh, Rammer and Rock here on a two-man game. So getting right into it, I think, obviously, big thing to talk about, SLU, huge loss in Javante Perkins. It's been talked about a lot. Uh, The Really quick news on that, he's having his surgery on Thursday. So obviously, thoughts out to Javante, hoping that surgery goes, goes well, anything like that. Looking at the lineup now, Obviously, there's a lot of scoring to replace. There was already a lot of scoring to replace when you looked at Hassan French and Jordan Goodwin going out. Now it's even more uh, a point Frank Cusimano made earlier today was that there's they're the only team that doesn't have a double-digit scorer returning from last season at all. Yeah. Um, from 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 a Division One, you know, one double or uh, Division One school. Although, although. I'm going to pull a fast one, a typical rammer. Anybody that's listened to me on the radio over the years, you know I'm always going to look 
for little ways to beat the game. My Kobayashi Maru changed the question. I believe Transfers don't count. I believe DeAndre Jones scored. Transfers don't count. Transfers don't count. We're looking for points. Returning player. We bring him in. Okay. That's true. But, and, and, and that's definitely going to matter, but returning player. So, so no returning player in double-digit double digit scoring from last year, that's going to be a yeah. big thing to overcome. So there, where is the scoring going to come from, I think, is the very first question. I think the answer to that yeah. is from a lot of different people. Well, let's, let's break down the situation. Um, I think you know, some people would say it's not conservative, but I think – Javante Perkins, 30 minutes, 20 points a game. I'm convinced he was going to score. That's only three more points. That's only another tray or three. I, I think I think you're underselling it, honestly, even. Yeah. So I, I think you're being minutes. fine with it. 30 minutes, 20 points. So how do you do that? Well, the, 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 the first answer is, well, you know, Jordan Nesbitt, the local kid transfer from Memphis, who, by the way, still counts as a freshman this season. Um, well, keep in mind – that he was already going to play minutes. I'd say very conservative 20 minutes with Perkins in the lineup, very conservative 20 minutes a game, very conservative. And I, I'm very confident he would have been scoring in double digits. Now, does that mean 10 points or what does it mean? I don't really know because now that's not the reality anymore. So if he's playing 20, okay, he, he makes up, he can go to 30, let's say. And take 10, you still got 20 minutes to replace, and maybe as many as 10 to 12 points to replace. And I think that's where we start to get into the weeds, is where that's going to come from. And one big thing I want to throw out here, because this kind of this kind of jumped out at me. Travis Ford earlier today said that he could have already seen pre-Javante's injury, he could have already seen Jordan Nesbitt playing 20 to 25 minutes per game. Yeah. Which I, I thought was that was bigger than I expected even prior to, or even after that kind of late preseason charge where Jordan's name started popping up every time, every time you talked about it. And so now, I mean, them going up to 30 minutes or so, depending on how he's playing that night, isn't, isn't, that's not out of the, that's not out of reason at all. I mean, that's, that's honestly what I kind of expect at this point. Let me talk about let me I talk mean, about. Well, I was going to say, especially when you talk about his positional versatility, which I think you're right. going to get into. Yeah, let me talk about Jordan Nesbitt for a moment. And I, I admit I could be wrong. I'm not a scout, but I think he's got the most talent the Billikens have had in a single player since Larry Hughes. When people understand what I'm saying, I'm not saying he's good as Larry Hughes. Think since Larry Hughes, and. But the question is, and it's a huge question mark, and that is, can he take that talent and turn it into production? I'm not predicting production. I'm just saying I see the talent. I see a guy who can shoot the three. I can see a guy who's got mid-range game. I see a guy who can take it to the hole and throw it down with the best of them. And I see a guy who's got legit point guard handles. That's the entire package plus the size to go with it. That's the entire package. How does a kid who played hardly at all last year, so really you're talking 18 months of not playing much basketball at high competition level, how do you take those accolades and that observation and 
And how does he turn it into production? I don't know. It, it, it could jump out right away and be dynamic. It yeah. could take, it could take a half a dozen games. It could take a dozen. It might take a year. But mark my words, if he stays the course, the talent is there and the production will come. I just don't think there's any realistic way to predict when. I hope it starts tomorrow night uh, against Central Arkansas. But you mentioned the positional versatility. Uh, in one of the preseason games, uh, Travis looked at him and said, hey, Janez, you got the four. And he snapped his head over four. So he's getting him ready to, to guard the four. Mm-hmm. He's played three, the two, and he play, he has already played a ton of point. Um, this guy is going to get tons of minutes, and um, we'll, we'll just see where, where it all fits. Um, moving on to some other players about the scoring. Here's a guy, another one I think, I don't know if it's going to happen tomorrow night or in non-conference play or conference play or next year. Um, but when you talk about Andre Lorenzen, the big Swede, this is a kid that has an unbelievable shot at six foot nine. He is um, not, he's not as big as Rob Lowe was those who okay. go back a decade, but he has the same elements in his game to be able to be six, nine, have that size and step out and confidently hit the three. Is he ready to give you a ton of minutes day one? I don't know that, but I know that, that um, when you talk about playing two bigs to get together, don't just talk Okoro and Linson. I think Lorenzen's going to be in that mix um, sooner or later. I really believe it. This kid's got the kind of game that can be a legit stretch for. Let's get into uh, some numbers games really quickly because uh, yeah. a, a quote that's going around uh, from a lot of people is Travis Ford talking about having an eight-man rotation. Yeah. Sudorando uh, tweeted that out. Great quote and great job by Sudorando as he always does. My question for you before we get into the actual numbers game is when he said that, do you think he was saying he has an eight man game and he's looking for people to expand on that? Cause he talked about who's going to get the, who's going to get the minutes, you know, who's going to fight for those minutes at the back end. You think right. he was saying, I got eight. Who's going to, who's going to be the back guys on that eight. Or do you think he was talking more of a, of a hard eight man rotation that we're going to see, get the overwhelming clump of the minutes. I think what he's saying is that he sort of had it figured in his mind before Perkins got hurt and that an ideal legit big time team's probably going to play eight guys significant minutes. Mm-hmm. I think though that there'll be a search for a while. That there'll be a search and and that they'll get spread out between 10 and 11 guys. And I think that those are minutes to be earned and I think that that I think he's saying that publicly because he wants his players to hear it and know that it's out there. And I think it's, I I think it's, um, I think it's motivational. And I think that um, guys who earn the opportunity and produce on the court are going to play. And I think he won't be able to stick to eight because there'll be some guys who aren't quite ready for prime time who have talent. Mm -hmm. And there'll be some guys that you didn't expect who will stick step in and earn eight, nine, 10 minutes tonight, 12 minutes. And I think by the time you get double digit minutes, 10 minutes is start for me is starting to be significant minutes. 
if a guy comes off the bench for 10 minutes or more. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it ends up being nine or 10 guys. That, that wouldn't shock me at all. And, and two questions on, on those lineup as we get into the numbers. How do you see, because you, you've obviously had a chance to see some practices. How do you see the transfers, the transfer guards, I should say, specifically? Uh, DeAndre Jones and Rashad Williams. How do you see them fitting in? My read right now is that we're not hearing a lot about Jones in kind of a good way in that he's he's solid, he's playing the game that, that Travis wants to see from him, while the Rashad comments I've heard seemed that he's struggling a little bit more to find the rhythm or the system that Travis wants from him or wants him to play within. And so I'm wondering, what do you think we'll see from these transfers? How do you think they're going to factor into the lineup? I think those are great questions and two huge questions for the Billikens. Um, I think Jones, they're looking at at this time as more, more of a true point guard. Is he the backup? Is mm -hmm. he the third point guard? Um, those things often are dictated by circumstances in a given game. Um, I think there's been some frustration for Travis that he wants DeAndre to really get the offense and, and, and run it. And what's unfair to DeAndre is got one of the best point guards in the country who, who is the ringleader, who is the heart and soul, who does run it. And so the comparisons, it's going to be glaring for a new guy, no matter how good you are. So um, I think DeAndre has got a few things to do there. And I think, um, I haven't seen him, and I think because he's trying to earn his point guard stripes first, haven't seen him shoot the three a lot, even in practice, um, and we know it's there. We know because mm -hmm. he did it at Central Arkansas for a number of years mm -hmm. at a high rate. Yeah. When you go to Rashad Williams, here's a guy I think every time he shoots the three, I think it's going in. You can hmm. see – I think he, he does too. He exudes confidence. You're so right. He exudes confidence. The thing that it's impressed me, and I haven't talked to Coach about that, and there might be some technique and nuance that I'm missing, but I like the way he gets after it defensively. And, um, Ooh, and that like that earn, yeah, that may earn him minutes that we other might, he otherwise might not get if the three's not falling yet. Um, I, I think it's a matter of time for the three. Uh, I really like, like the way he gets after it shooting the ball. And the main reason I want to ask about the transfers is because when you factor them in, talking about numbers again, that's nine guys when you think about who was here last year in addition yep. to Okoro and Nesbitt, the guys that are also new but have pretty much slotted themselves in at the five and somewhere one to four, respectively. And so now we're at nine. And so that I think that's – I think a lot of people saw that top eight thing – and they put up a list, and that was what their list was. And they got they got to nine, and they were wondering, what is this going to mean? Because without Javante, the thought process is, if you can, you know, get as many people on the floor and spread it out, that's going to be the best for you. And so, and then you also throw in a name like Lorenzen. I also have to wonder about a guy like. <laughs> I also have to wonder about a guy like Markai Strickland because he's such an athlete that. When you talk about going small, the way they're going to, where they're going to be four out and where TJ Hargrove is your starting four and you're already talking about Nesbitt getting some time at the four as well, he's a guy who can play two through four because he's such a great athlete. 
And then I, okay, now, now we're at 11. I'm getting way ahead of myself. At the same time, this Linson and Okoro news, them playing together in, in lineups is interesting to me because that seems to be a risky play to put out both of your nominal fives at the same time, just as a, you know, stamina, fouls, conditioning kind of thing. I wonder, I just wonder where's the, you know, where, as you said, is there another guy that they're thinking about for a body as a four or five, just because they want to put Linson and Okoro together? Don't forget about Treori. Um, that's my point. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was getting at because now we're at 12. They, they really like him, but um, he he is a project and one that they're very excited about, by the way. A lot of times when a guy says, oh, Rocchio's – what about Matt Rocchio? Well, he's a project means eh, he's not in the plans right now. I'm talking about a kid that they really think is going to develop and they can build around over the next four years. Um, I think the I think the Linson-Okoro thing – this is my my view only. I don't think we'll see that for extended stretches. In some games, maybe not at all. And then in some yeah. games, you'll need to play it. And I think you'll see it as kind of a high-low thing. Um, neither are accomplished jump shooters. Um, and it can get clogged up. But can, I think they can play that. There's an opportunity to play that. No, yeah, I think so. Just, just a little bit. Um and I think a lot of it will do with matchups and game situations. I think you're more likely to see the four out um, uh, running of the Bills lineup. Um, and there can be some variation, but off the top of my head with um, uh, uh, Uri Collins and Jay Nez and uh, TJ Hargrove and Gibson and Okoro, that group can run anybody in the country into the ground, but you got to get the defensive rebound first. (laughs) Okay. We're playing with one big. Okay. You still got to get the defensive rebound before he can run. So, you know, one thing leads to another, but so you got the extreme with where you go, Linson and Okoro, do you want to throw Fred Thatch in there? And this is your defensive unit, um, half court game unit. And then you go, with the running of the Bills unit where you get out and fly. But, you know, you've got – and then probably there's some gray area depending on the situation and foul trouble and who's hot and matchups that you can mix and match a little bit. I think that um, eventually it'll be seen – this kind of versatility and depth will be seen as a real strength. So talking about – kind of having Linson and Okoro as your two different fives that you're going to run that four out off of. How do you see it so far through the exhibitions in practice? How do you see the difference in how SLU is playing both offensively and defensively when those guys are the five for each lineup? And I'm sure that, I mean, there's a lot of variables on who else is the other four guys in the lineup, but nominally, Defensively and offensively, have you seen any big differences from those two units, essentially? To be perfectly honest, and we got to do this, I think, to establish ourselves in the two-man game here on Claves Online, um, the offense hasn't been good in practice. Now, you've been playing each other since the summer. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows all the plays. I get all that. Um, 
but Travis has railed on the guys a little bit in practices. He has not been as happy with the efficiency and um, and with the shooting generally. Um, I think it's understandable because of all the new people and on the eve of the season, basically having to revamp your personnel and minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm not excusing anything. Heck, they average 87 points in the two exhibition games. And this is a team that's going to score over 80 points a game this season. Uh, my question is, um, how many will they give up? And uh, But so far, the offense is not where Travis wants it yet. I think I'm very comfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you, with a guy like Okoro in the middle on defense, do you think he's providing – the rim protection at, oh, yeah. at the expectation that, that we, we've all seen? Even, even yeah, well, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, if he can, if he plays four years, um, he's going to challenge the shot blocking records of French and Melvin Robinson and, and Ian Viukas and those guys that Willie Reed, those guys that came before him, he'll challenge it. No, we're ready to say he's ready to break them all. I'm just saying, this guy's going to block a lot of shots. And on the other end, we already saw it the other night in the exhibition game, standing flat-footed directly under the bucket, he got four dunks. I'm not talking about running down and getting a running start on a fast break. I'm talking about getting it in low and going straight up and dunking it. Um, he's going to be a force around the rim. Um, and then Martin Linson is the human big man clinic. Um, he plays perfect basketball. And so – the two, I think, complement each other very well. Um, now, the rest of the guys, understanding how to work with them mm-hmm. to enhance their abilities without taking away from the perimeter game, that's that's what's going to take the time, I think. Also, you speaking of uh, career records, um, he doesn't even have to put up his career average if he plays the full season. Yuri Collins is going to be the career leader for assists in slew history by the end of this season, pretty much barring anything, knock on wood, he plays a full season. He's the, you're looking, you're looking at a guy who this year is going to mark himself as the career leader at slew and assists. It, it's legit. I, I think it's going to be fun to watch him get out and run as he, as he sets that record this year. Well, you know, we've been, we've been fortunate over the years to have great ones and I'll probably leave somebody out. So forgive me, but Jim Roeder and H. Waldman and Marquis Perry and and uh, Jordair Jed and I'm uh, we've had uh, I've left out a handful. We've had some terrific point guards, but Yuri Collins has a chance to be the best. And um, you know, um, I, I don't like to say best or worst and try and have those um, media hooks that we go for all the time. This is everything's got to be the greatest ever or the worst ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like to go there. But I think it's pretty clear who this young man is. And I think he's going to get himself established this year as a uh, as a dual threat. I'm told he's been working with Erwin Claggett, uh, uh, one of the all-time so – maybe, maybe the best Billiken shooter of all time. And um, I think it's shown already in preseason and in practice. And um, I'm confident saying Yuri's going to average – in double figures this year. So there's three or four points a game that you're going to be taken over for Perkins uh, missed, you know, missed points. Um, and the assists will come too. 
And moreover, not just um, what he does um, for his own points, but what he does to the opposition defense that they now have to guard him straight up. Mm-hmm. They can't sag off like they did the first two seasons. They've got to get out and guard him, which um, negates double teams, certainly double teams off him. And, uh, and that's going to be a big boon to the offense. One of the biggest things for Yuri Collins and a lot of those assists hopefully are going to be coming on passes to Gibson Jimerson. Uh, a big thing that I know Travis has been harping on at practice, um, both at both in the interviews, but also I know for a fact in practice is that he wants Gibson shooting the ball more. He wants Gibson taking the shots when he has them. He mentioned earlier today that Gibson could be seeing six to seven, uh, five to six to seven more shots than they planned on him seeing this year. And that was even with Javante in in the fold. So when you talk about six to seven more shots, your expectations for the output and how you see Gibson Jimerson in this offense in the ways, essentially I'm trying to ask, what are the different ways that you've already seen them try and how do you think they will get him involved and get him open for looks throughout this season? Because if it's going to be six or seven shots on top of it, I'm expecting at least 10 field goals, if not, yeah. if not to, to upwards of 12 on the high end per game from Jimerson. And you're going to have to manufacture some of those in, in interesting looks, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. One of the things that they're doing um, – that will ultimately help the three is when, um, and obviously if you've scouted the Billikens, Hey, we got to put a guy, we got to put a guy in his shirt. We can't let him breathe. Well, you do what, what do you do that when a guy's overplaying you, you cut and go around him. And we've already seen um, a real connection between Gibson and Yuri on back cuts going underneath. You say, yeah, but that's not the three. Yeah. But if he shows the ability to do that and be successful, it goes back to making them play straight up and maybe just enough space when a guy's on him to prevent the back cut or even a drive, which Jimerson is showing he's capable of, to give him those looks. Um, But you're right. Can a team take any one player away? Can they take a guy out of a game? Yeah, of course they can. But that's why why scoring – from all the other spots on the floor, from the other guys, uh, the Billiken attack has to be. And here's a weird thing: with Perkins being the focus point and now being gone, and if the other players step up, and you're coming at the opposition from all five positions on the scoring front, um, that's going to open thing up. You know, if you're going to, if we were going to place a bet a $5 bet, a milkshake bet on who's going to be the leading scorer, probably everybody's first inclination is to go Jordan Nesbitt. But I'm telling you, if Nesbitt's scoring, if the bigs are scoring, if TJ Hargrove continues to shoot it and attack the basket, if Yuri Collins is scoring, why, why isn't why isn't Gibson Jimerson scoring at a very high level? I, I think that, that if, if you were going to take a second bet, if I took the – if I took the Nesbitt square, the next square to put your money on might be Gibson Jimerson. I think it's a very old school question, so I think you're going to love it. Um, how much how much of his season is going to be less about 
scheme and more about confidence? Confidence is the word, triple underlined, italics, uh, quotation marks, however, bold letter, however we can make it stand out, confidence. Here's something I think I've noticed, and I want you and the fans to get a hold of us on Claves Online when we do these shows, and tell me if you see it. I feel like it, it's the old card game um, uh, uh, bromide, and that is study long, study wrong. It seems to me when Gibson's on the on the quick release, off the screen, the quick spot up, it seems like his percentage is much higher than when he has it. He's wide open. He eyes it, takes aim, and fires. Again, I want everybody else to observe, too. I, I've already admitted I'm not a scout. But it seems like on the quick stop and pop, off the screen, catch and shoot, run to the corner, catch and shoot, it seems like those rhythm shots are far more productive than him than when he's absolutely wide open. I hope he hits them all. I hope – I, I hope that that if if there is some truth to what I'm seeing, that he overcomes it. But I want you to watch and I want our, our our viewers to watch and see if that's not the case. Either way, it comes down to confidence. And and the reason I bring up the style of shot equating to confidence is confidence sometimes is when you think too much about it. And when you don't have time to think, you don't have time to to not have confidence. And I think that might be a key for him. Yeah, I, and, and the big thing. Long-winded theory, for, a long-winded theory, but but see what you think as time goes on. Uh, I feel like the two-man game is going to be prone to the long-winded theory. <laughs> just <laughs> saddle in, that's just going to yeah, happen. Okay. Fair enough. That's um, also, I'll, I'll build on to the long-winded theory. He's going to be less open this year because teams are going to key on him. Therefore, he's going to play and shoot even better which makes well, no sense. Yeah. But as you said, well, let me, if he's, let me just, he's not let, thinking, he's just got to shoot it. There it is. Let, let me remind people um, about Terrence Hargrove Jr., a guy yes, whose effervescent enthusiasm and joy in the game sometimes belies his work ethic. This kid works his tail off. He's made himself a three-point shooter. He's the returning leading three-point shooter percentage-wise, over 40% last year. That's not a fluke when you play all season long. Um, he's got to be the starting four. He, there's no doubt about it. So um, when you start to get this kind of balance on the floor, um, you create nightmares for the opposition, and that's exactly what this team wants to do. Uh, fans are going to have to help me keep track throughout the season of this. Uh, I think 34-minute mark is going to be the latest – uh, for a long time that you actually get T.J. Hargrove's name in on the show. I think that's going to be – that's that's the first time we've mentioned him, and I have a feeling that's that's going to be the latest by a long shot for a long time. He's one of my favorite people. He's one of my favorite Billikens of all time. And that goes back to the effervescent enthusiasm, um, the, the, the way in which he plays, and he's just a great guy. He's just a great guy. And I used to watch him work out in the summers – with the pure sweat folks. And um, he and Yuri worked out together before they were Billikens. And um, I got to watch that a lot um, as my son worked out there too. And um, got to know him a little bit. I, 
and again with COVID, I feel like I don't know the players well at all like I used to, and that's a point of frustration for me. But T.J. Hargrove's the real deal, and if you get a chance to invest in him emotionally and literally now with NIL, um, uh, I would say do it. He is your guy. I'm telling you, he is your guy. T.J. Hargrove, uh, come up, find like a headband company to work with, and I will buy one. There you go. Because sometimes right. I need it. Well, why don't you create them and you guys go into business together and you hire them? There we go. That's you know what? Let's get you know what? Let's get him a two-man game headband. Hargrove hair. First first piece first piece of merchandise. Hargrove hair. I like that. Hargrove hair. That's good. Um, yeah, you, you know what? You gotta get you gotta give TJ that next time at practice. Uh hey, one thing I want to get in. Yeah. Go ahead, Bob. No, you go. One thing I want to get into uh, that's a little dense, but it's it's a big point on how Slew's going to play now, which is Travis mentioned playing faster. And I want to know how you think that's going to manifest itself. And also, are there some players, TJ Hargrove, I I think was going to come up in this part of the discussion no matter what, even if we didn't bring him up yet. How do you see them playing faster? And how do you see that actually benefiting certain guys? And being honest, how do you think maybe – that style might actually hurt certain other players. Well, yeah, you look at, you look at some, well, there's not very many that, that can't get out and run. Um, I think the key is when it gets to philosophy, kids always say they want to do the running game. Always. Mm-hmm. Until they learn the things you have to be good at to be yep. able to run it right, then they go, oh, what was that half court set, coach? Um, yeah, right. Playing the running, the running game isn't run, shoot, and holler like you're over at the rec center, folks. Um, <laughs> that's that's the quick way um, to twenty losses. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the the great uh, full court running game is run with surgical precision, and is deadly and is lethal, and um, that's what this team wants to do and will need to do. Again, I'll refer back. A little callback from earlier in the show. You got to defend to get loose balls. I think I think this is a team that'll ball hawk really well, but our bigs have got to get help on the defensive boards. For instance, okay, let's say you're Hargrove, Nesbitt, Jimerson, Collins, and Okoro's out there. Well, the ball goes up. How do you blame those guys for not wanting to cheat and start flying down That's- the floor? That's been my, that's kind of been my question the entire time is because it's such a defensive rebounding is one thing, but also Travis talks so much about offensive rebounding. And I'm wondering how do we, how do you balance uh, being a strong rebounding team while starting to, to emphasize the transition game more so than you were prior? It takes, it takes the head and it takes kids with vision and who want to understand how to play the game right. All four of you can't run and leave poor, poor. I think the kids are calling Franco, Francis Okoro. You can't leave Franco by himself. He'll get a bunch by himself, but he's going to need help understanding where you are on the floor when the shot goes up, where the rebound's likely to go, who to box out, which of your guys is in the best position to release and get down the floor. It's the cerebral part of the game. And that's the part that is going to be interesting to watch and see if this team is capable of doing it. Um, 
I firmly believe they are. Um, I've been lucky and, and, and there's probably not very much video. So it's hard to going to be hard to prove me wrong. When I was at Louisiana tech with Carl Malone, we had a six, four point guard, Wayne Smith, who was a, a marvelous, marvelous point guard. And it was one of the greatest precision fast breaks I've ever seen in college basketball. Now it helps when Carl Malone is, is 240 pounds and can run like the wind gets every defensive rebound, hits the outlet, and without breaking stride, dunks it on the other end, getting the, the second pass. Um, it helps. And it, it it sounds crazy like <laughs> I made that up. I, I saw it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Um, and with your, your, your shooter, Alan Davis, going to the wing and your other big, a seven-footer trailing in case they can't get it to Malone, and now you've got a precision fast break that was absolutely deadly. I've seen it. I know what it takes. This team has the elements to do it. And then, it, it's again, it's a matter of are they willing to make the emotional sacrifice and the cerebral look at the game to understand what it takes? See, and for me, that was the one silver lining I, I, I took away from, from what happened last week was – Breaking down some of these players, Yuri. Anytime you have a guy who can who who is quick as he is and has that kind of passing skill in the fast breaking out and transition, that's that's huge. Nesbitt being the athlete he is, maybe being more comfortable in the freewheeling kind of more open style of transition than a half court game right now as a younger player. Right. TJ being a guy that you can you can toss up an alley oop to at any time. Okoro being the same way, Jimerson shooting to the corner. I mean, all of these guys seem to have a part of their game that fits perfectly into picking up the pace and playing a little yeah. bit faster. Martin Linson as an outlet passer, picking up the rebound and going the other way. I mean, there's guys throughout this lineup, Jones being a point guard, Williams being a shooter. There's so many ways that I see these guys can honestly just get the points that we're talking about when you when you have to make up for Jordan and Hassan and now Javante this is where these guys can can I think make a quick step because there's parts of their game that play so well to playing a more upbeat style now the big thing is going to be with the Travis Ford team are they defending well enough on the right. other end at the same time and getting out in transition and defending in transition because I have a feeling that if they struggle and they start leaking out too many times, Travis is going to slow it down, and that's maybe where yeah. we see the Linson and Okoro front line and things like that. And there, there are some terrific teams they'll play that have good transition yeah. defense. So you try to run, the shot's not there. You get into your offense, and that's where, where it's got to be a key. Also, the running, if you are do have a given game, we were very successful. Keep in mind, too, then um, you using more players and keeping fresh legs out there. I really believe the uh, exactly the eight man rotation will be expanded, and it will be because of good things, not bad things. I hear that you mentioned the schedule. Let's get into a little bit of the schedule, obviously, because we're we're here doing a, a slew season preview, not just talking about you know some of the negatives or how they're going to replace, but what's going to happen here as we look forward to one of the big things, obviously, right off the bat. The non-conference schedule was a huge talking point in the preseason as a as a boon, something that could be used as a pro going forward in, into March. How do you now see this preseason – not that preseason schedule, excuse me. How do you see this non-conference schedule 
moving forward to start the season? Do you think it's now maybe you're looking at it more of a, of a grind in certain places? How do you, how has it changed maybe in the last week of how you view a non-conference schedule that was very positive again, you know, just, just a month ago? It's freaking brutal. It is a gauntlet, brother. That's a this change. Is, That's a change. Yeah. This is going to be brutal. So let me, let me break down the season real quick. 18 conference games. We know about that. We'll talk about that at Christmas time. 13 non-conference games. In my view, there are eight of those that are that I'll call um, what do you want to call them? Uh, uh, strength of schedule builders. So, mm-hmm. and we're going to need SOS getting through yeah. this. Strength of schedule builders. I think there are eight of them, which leaves five. Um, without trying to make an insult, people know about buy games and all those kinds of things. I think there are five games though. Then, well, it's a buy game, but you got to win them because if you yep. give any of those away. Now you got to get one of your 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 backbreaking games. Mm-hmm. You got to get one of those back from the lost column. So mm-hmm. I'll break them down in segments. Central Arkansas, Harris, Stowe, Eastern Illinois. Respect anybody that comes into your building. You know what you got to do. Then you go to Memphis. Um, will this team be ready for Memphis? It might be it on November sixteenth. That might be a little bit early. But it might be early for Penny Hardaway, too, as he's trying to yep. put new players into his mix. Wishful yep. thinking, perhaps. We'll he struggled see. a little bit, though, too. Yeah, that's one of the eight. I'll let you count them up. Mercer is not one of the eight. Illinois State is not one of the eight. Buffalo, I really believe Buffalo will beat Stephen F. Austin in, uh, uh, in Cancun. Buffalo, they're one of the eight. Well, how's that going to – they're going to win their conference or contend for it. Buffalo's legit, folks. Yep. Go to Boise State. Everybody talks about San Diego State in the Mountain West. Boise State thinks they can win that conference. UAB, they believe they can win Conference USA. I guys at Louisiana Tech may have something to say about it, but UAB, UAB believes they can win uh, Conference USA December 7th. Belmont, they're going to win the Ohio Valley Conference. Boston College, one of the eight. Boston College is not great, Rock, but they're in the ACC. Their strength of schedule will be great. Mm -hmm. So even if their record's down, it's not going to kill you like playing some other bad team. So you see why I include them in the eight, because they're in the ACC. Auburn comes in. Jesus. Are you kidding me? They're also from a conference that has some prestige, I believe. It's going to be them in Kentucky, in my opinion, battling it out to win the SEC. Auburn may have the best set of big men. No, I'm just going to – they have the best set of big men in the country. Um, Our guys will really be challenged there. Then you go to Las Vegas to play a one-off random game where you could have driven two hours and met in in Kirksville or something and played Drake. you got to go out to Vegas to play Drake. They're going to win the Missouri Valley Conference. Folks, those eight games – I have. Why do I have ten fingers up? Those eight games. <laughs> what's, what's the span of time? Is it, what's the span of time on those eight games? So, um, you play those eight, starting with Memphis. You got a little bit of a break, but then you go. Um, let's say Buffalo the day before Thanksgiving, and then the twenty second of December with Drake. So, so six of the eight in a month. Um, so. Now, 
Travis Ford and his group, they intend to win all eight. They'll have a game plan to win all eight. If they win all eight, this is a Sweet 16 team or better. Wow. Um, but being – you have so many new things to accomplish, mm-hmm. you don't have to win all eight because of the how strong these teams are to make a strong case for March Madness. And, and we say, why are you talking about March Madness now? Well, that's why this schedule was made this way. Yep. Because all these games matter – in a mid-major league to get into postseason. That's why these games matter. So, folks, keep keep your own track on these eight. Memphis, Buffalo, Boise, UAB, Belmont, Boston College, Auburn, and Drake. Though what you do there is going to go a long way to see what you're going to do uh, at setting you up for March Madness. Let's talk a little bit about the early games in the schedule. Obviously, we talked about it at the opening of the show. Three games in four four days. We're we're gonna uh, reconvene uh, to record on Thursday to talk about uh, the first two games. But not not getting into matchups necessarily because you talk about it, you got to take care of business in these, these three games. So my question for you then is, what are you going to be looking for in these three games when it comes to? Lineup combinations, you know, maybe it's the old, you know, but I know it's hockey, but Doug, Doug Armstrong always used to talk about pairings. You know, is, is it guys you see you, you're looking for who is Travis pairing with Yuri, um, yeah. you know, for the two man game? Uh, you know, what what wings are working together or, you know, what what are you what are your takeaways usually from these early season games? And more so, what are your takeaways with this kind of team where you don't really know and you've only had a few practices with this new look? to to see what they're going to be this year. I don't think Travis will make any excuses or look for excuses if the team doesn't play efficiently. I think nope. even, even in a feeling out period, even as for us fans, and remember, this is these guys are new to us. Travis has been with them since the end of, you know, since the summer began. Um, so he thinks he has a feel for them, and I'm sure he does. Mm-hmm. So he won't take, oh, we're getting used to each other as an excuse to play bad basketball. I promise you that. So against Central Arkansas and Harris Stowe, um, you don't play their game. You play your game and you play at a high level with a high offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, That's what he's going to look for. Moreover, that's what he's going to demand to see. So I think that's what we should be looking for too offensive and defensive efficiency and and then secondarily who's working with who and figuring out the matchups and the lineups and all those kinds of things um but to reiterate oh well these guys are new to each other that will not fly i promise you no travis there's no chance you hear that uh from from any of the 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 players won't even dream of saying anything like that they know the game far too well to be slipping in anything like that uh, well, before you, we talk, you get in there. I didn't. You didn't run the offense right. You don't know the offense. That I'm telling you, that will not be an excuse. Yeah, it will be an be excuse in, to have a seat. Yeah, I don't want to be in the meeting room. If uh, I don't want to be in in Travis's office, if you say that at any point, you know, during the game. That's exactly coach. Right. We only started running that set ten days ago. That's 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 not going to fly with Travis. Yeah, sit down, bring your playbook, and watch. <laughs> Speaking of which, 
uh, before we transition into, into some more general talk as, as we wrap up uh, kind of our season preview here with SLU, uh, more localized recently, uh, SLU practice the last few times. Any, any big takeaways from what you've seen in practice? Well, one of my big takeaways, I gave it away early, and that is um, uh, Andre Lorenzen. Okay. I, I think now this is just me as an observer. And, you know, they I don't know if you're aware. I think you are. I don't know if a lot of the fans are, but um, every shot taken in practice is recorded. Um, uh, camera, there, there are sensors on shoes that mm -hmm. um, uh, plot your location, cameras, and, and all this technical mumbo-jumbo that I don't get. But every shot and, every, and from where every shot is taken is logged. So I don't know if the mm -hmm. facts back up my impression, but Lorenzen has been the lights-out shooter in practice. The lights-out shooter. And he's got the size, like you said. That it, they they've talked a lot about how there's not much difference between who you know the one and the four in this offense. But having a stretch four, a real stretch four at that size, it's still in the college game, especially in the A10. I think that could be maybe a later season cog that gives them a look, especially in the conference season, that maybe they don't have here earlier in the non-conference schedule. The other thing you mentioned earlier, but to what I've seen in practice that could carry over, and that is the bigs playing together. So a lot in scrimmage you'll see, let's say, for instance, Linson and Traore maybe, uh, probably more like Linson and uh, and uh, Okoro against Traore and Lorenzen um, and, and playing bigs together. And I, yeah. I, I think that um, it, those are some of the things we can maybe look for. And you had mentioned earlier because Travis talked about it and they have been working on it. And we'll see how it transpires in real games. I'm not the biggest fan of it just because I think the playing fast and playing four out makes sense with the roster. But also, yeah. I guess there's an idea maybe that they're, they're, my big thing is it's fouls and stamina and things like that because, I mean, you have you have the minutes you have at the five. Those are going to have to be the full game. You can't really get chintzy and play, you know, TJ yep. Hargrove as a small ball five. You got to play one of those two guys. Unless again, I'm just, I'm honestly surprised, and I don't know how much of this is forced. I'm not trying to say that it's just being forced because of the injury, but I'm honestly surprised how much we've heard. Um, I'm surprised we're hearing so much about Lorenzen from you, and I'm surprised when I when I kind of intimated to it that you even went so far as to Triari because I honestly thought that those guys were you know 2022 Billikens at first you know at the most, and so I'm I'm a little bit surprised. Happily, I think you can bring in these guys, and I think a, a deep team playing fast is how you win games uh, as the Billikens this year. But I am a little bit surprised how quickly they've kind of had those guys and, we, and we've heard about them, you know, from, from people who are watching practice. Yeah. And again, uh, I'm not suggesting that either Traore or Lorenzen yeah. are going to come in and play 18 minutes a game. I'm just saying that what I see from these guys are real positives that can be contributors, if not this fall, later in the winter, and certainly by next year, but as their confidence um, as their confidence grows and their skill level gets better. Um, these aren't, these aren't, as I said before, the project guys, 
these guys are projects that that are are with an, that that have an expectation of delivering at some point in time. Well, it's, uh, so that that's that's kind of our slew preview, everybody Good. here on here in the two man game with Rammer and Rock. Uh, about fifty five minutes of solid slew talk here. We're going to transition a little bit here. We're not going very far because there was something Bob mentioned there towards the end when we were talking about the schedule that I wanted to get into, uh, and that is the conference that that slew's playing in the A ten. It's lost some steam over yeah. the last couple months as as the first series of ratings have come out uh, from all the different pundits. Uh, across the college game. And in fact, one phrase popped up that you were, you were very disconcerted with, and that is a one bid league. Your the, the, thoughts on, on yeah. the future of the A-10 for this season and going, going forward, which I think a lot of fans, um, especially when we're on the air, a lot of fans constantly mention different conferences and moving conferences and realignment and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, it was very concerning to me. Uh, because this has been a multi-bid league, I think, all but one year. And I looked it up one time, like the last 26 or seven years. Yeah, I think, I think it's two. Like, yeah, I think it's like yeah, two. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and there was like more than half of those. It was three or more teams. Uh, and, and for people to say this is trending to be a one-bid league, you know, for this particular year, they mentioned – losing Javante Perkins. They mentioned the two good players that VCU lost. Um, I think that I think that the bottom half of this league has got to step up a little bit. Um, and I'm certain the commissioner, Bernadette McGlade, has talked to some of these programs about, you know, we don't want to be the colonial, right? We want to be the Big East. And um, it can't just be – Dayton and VCU every year and slew trending to be one of the perennial contenders now that Travis Ford is here, but Davidson, um, you had done some good things, but you got to take Davidson's got to take the next step. And, and, you know, uh, Phil Martelli lost his luster and St. Joe's feels like they're lost. Um, LaSalle and Fordham, what are they doing? Uh, George Washington, what is happening there? Um, the, the the bottom half of the league has absolutely got to step up or maybe these pundits will end up being right or worse is the top three or four teams are, will say, you're making it too tough on us to get into the NCAA tournament because our conference schedule becomes so weak that um, we're on the bubble every single year and we, we got to find greener pastures. You hope it doesn't come to that. I'm not trying to be a doomsayer. I'm just saying if you extrapolate some of the negative things yeah. that you have to be aware that it's possible. Yeah, it, it's it's the last thing you want to hear, and it's the last thing I know SLU fans wants, want, want to hear because there's already a lot of again, conference realignment is rampant. And yes. mostly football moved, but there's a lot of reasons that the people in basketball want to have these conversations, and I can understand it and. The A-10, if, if that were to happen, if they were to lose kind of that steam that they've had and that they've been building up over the last 20 years, I think there'd be a lot of people who would want to keep carping about the Big East. And, and, and I know you hear that a lot, and uh, you're not going to stop hearing that from a lot of different people in, in town just because that's the passion for St. Louis basketball. But nonetheless, I think it's a, it, it's a, it's a piece of conversation that 
it's going to get handled behind closed doors essentially is, is kind of what I'm getting at. And there's not a lot of reason to uh, speculate. Two until... keys, two keys. You got to win and you got to win big. That means deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Never. We've never been, we've never been to the second weekend. Yeah, um, that's a good point. You got to, you got to get to the sweet 16 and deeper. Um, you know, you take a look at how did Butler get into the big East? They had a hot coach and they had a deep run. Um, that's the only reason that's the only reason. And, um, um, you know, the, the, it, it was a, it was a kick in the, uh, kick in the butt losing Javante Perkins. Cause this is a team that, um, everyone thought could make a run last year was supposed to be the year, the COVID month. Look, we get it. Um, so, uh, this group and Travis have a challenge. Do you have the experience to make a deep run like you had last year? Maybe not. Maybe not. I won't underline maybe. But what you got to do is still be good, still win big games against big opponents, get into postseason, do damage, and get ready to keep pushing and keep climbing for the next year. That's the way um, good things will come to you. And, and you got to be filling up Chaffetz Arena. Four, five, six thousand a night won't get it done. When other teams or when other leagues around the country see ten thousand a night, that's how. That's the other way they take notice. Uh, and final slew point, actually, because uh, you mentioned the game, uh, and uh, we're broadcasting this on, on Tuesday afternoon. So later tonight, uh, if you can get there, make sure you get there a little bit earlier. There are going to be honoring Fort Stewin um, prior to this evening's game. So if you can get to Schaefer's a little bit earlier, packing Schaefer's is going to be important the entire season. Tonight's going to be a very special night, so maybe get out get out there a little bit early. If you can make it, and if you can't, you know, still come out and obviously cheer on the Billikens as they begin their season tonight. And we're obviously going to be talking a lot about the Slough Billikens this season. Um, you're going to hear another episode uh, on Friday afternoon. We're going to record it on Thursday evening. And we're going to talk a lot about Slough, but also we're going to talk about uh, so, some, some NBA throughout the season. One uh, NBA player I, I do want to talk about. This is, of course, slew related because I'm, I'm, I'm sticking here with, with, the, with the slew theme for the day. Jordan Goodwin, not playing with the big club yet, but he's in the G League. Um, and the start he's had so far through two games, 30 points, 30.5 points averaging at 32 points and 29 points, eight rebounds per game, two assists, two and a half steals through two games, 56% from the field, 50% from deep on eight of 16. And he's also four for four from the charity stripe. I mean, how about the start from Jordan Goodwin? Talk about a way to come in and tell a coaching staff, you know, bring me up. Let's get that two-way contract figured out. Let's see if we can, if we can make it happen. I mean, Jordan Goodwin has yep. come out outscoring any of his, any of his college games right out of the gate in the G league. And I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed rock. Where are the rebounds? No, I yeah, eight per game. Yeah, that's weak. That's weak. No, I'm kidding. Come I'm kidding. Now. The best rebounding guard we've seen in a generation, probably. And uh, now he kept working and kept working and um, has added the jump shot to his game. Um, I'm so excited for him. Um, uh, a young man that's that I've never seen a desire to win and excel. I mean, a burning, burning desire, um, facing adversity throughout his career and always coming through. 
Um, always the hardest worker on the team. Uh, always the first guy there, the last guy to leave. Um, and just a, a terrific guy, just a terrific person. Um, man, I, I'm going to be in line. You and I are going to be racing to whatever store sells them um, to get the first Wizards Goodwin jersey. I'm 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 so excited for the guy. He's incredible. He's such a hard worker. I mean, clearly he he's been working on, on the parts of his game. He understood that the little things he's been doing have obviously started paying off. I mean. He was a sparkle in that first game. They were down 16 and nothing before he scored the first points of the game. And then he led them to a win in that 30 point, 32 point yeah. uh, game. I mean, he was balling out. He was scoring in different ways. I, I love what he's doing. He had four steals in the second game after only getting one in the first game. I, I, I've made this comment multiple times. I do not care if it's in the NBA or not. 10 years from now, I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's in the NBA or Italy or what have you. 10 years from now, some poor point guard is going to have his day ruined by Jordan Goodwin for like five steals. It's going to happen still a decade from now. He's going to be 30. He's going to be 32. And I don't know where it's going to be, but he's going to be ruining some opposing point guards day. And cause that's what the, the kid's going to do. And apparently if he can shoot like this, he's going to be doing that in the NBA and, 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 the chance for him, he he made some comments. If you if you can go find this, it's really easy. You go to the cap. If you just go to the Capital City Go Go, that's the name of the G League team. If you just go to their website, it's the one piece of post game video they posted. But it was Jordan Goodwin talking about his yeah. friendship with Bradley Beal. It was an incredible piece of audio. And so and just the idea. Obviously, we're we're we're, beat, we're homers, but I have no problem with it when we talk about this topic. It's the idea of him of him darn right. The the idea of him balling out like this, getting called up and then being on an NBA court with Bradley Beal while being coached by Wes Unsell Jr. I mean, Earl Austin is going to be I, – I want to I go watch a Wizards game with him when – and I'm saying when because if he keeps doing this, that'll be the case soon. When that happens, I want to watch a Wizards game with Earl because to see a St. Louis kid in Bradley – a slew kid and the St. Louis kid in Jordan. And then obviously having, you know, the relation, you know, a cousin in, in West Unsell Jr. For, for Earl. That's cool for St. Louis. I would love to watch it with a guy like Earl. I mean, that, that to have that potential, that's a storyline that we're going to be following the entire year because that's just fun. Well, what we're going to have to do, I'm sure Earl's already done it. I'll just call him and ask him when we're done here. Are the Wizards playing at home somewhere around February first or third oh yeah uh, because the billikens will be in fairfax uh, playing at george mason so we may it have is. to extend a trip there it is man it, it, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome so good for jordan obviously we hope he keeps balling out uh we're gonna talk a lot more nba at some point but that, yes. that's what we got on today's show very slew centric show but uh, i had a lot of fun bob uh we've gone uh, a little bit longer than i expected but hey that, that i think that's uh i think that's the first episode of the two-man game with rammer and rock yeah, two-man game. We may not, you know, we'll get down there and, and, and do the pick and roll with anybody. Oh, yeah, you know it. And, and, and like we said, with, with with Earl, and we're talking about NBA, so maybe some some old uh, St. Louis guys that, that people have known, like Rob Fisher with the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll, we'll bring here and we'll make we'll turn into the three-man weave a little bit every once in a while. Uh, and we'll get and we'll get some of my friends in the business on. Um, uh, one of the guys I want to talk to a lot because I'm 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 a real honk for the Mountain West. You'll see that as the season. I love watching those late games, you know, okay. and uh, 
the voice of the, uh, of the Broncos uh, at Boise State, Bob Beeler is an old friend of mine. We he used to uh, be the voice at, at UMass. And uh, yeah, we'll you know what you need on a, you know what you need on a Wednesday night a seventh hour of college basketball. <laughs> it's it's no the Mountain West is fantastic. If you're a sport because here's the thing if you're whether you're college basketball or college football if you are a honk for either of those sports everybody who's like a honk about those sports they love a Mountain West team yes. because there's nothing better than an entire game of football and then oh uh, no one else is playing oh Hawaii's playing okay cool let's go yeah. like yeah, here we so, go. so I'm not I'm not shocked at all that a basketball guy like you is like oh one more game this is fantastic I'm sure the Rammer household is not a fan of Boise State BYU for the 50th time but I tell you what I bet the youths get a big you know <laughs> when you when they're playing you're happy and let me go one step further, West. If I can get a Gonzaga St. Mary's game at ten thirty oh at night, I am all over it. Now, see, that's that's just, that's just fundamentals. <laughs> okay, that's going to wrap it up. We'll we'll be back on Friday, and um, we'll see if the Billikens rated as efficient on both ends of the court in their first two games, back to back games. First time I've ever seen it in a non tournament situation and um so we'll uh relate that to everybody for those going to the game tonight and on wednesday have a great time be loud it's great to have you back in chaffetz arena and uh two-man game with rammer and rock will be back with you on friday right here on claves online